You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, that's right. Show started. <laughs> I'm over there talking to Paulie. We're talking about last night, the last dance. Oh, and I hear the music, and I hear, and Dan Patrick, and I go, hmm, that's me. Well, welcome to the program. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. And a belated happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that I didn't get to reach out to yesterday. And hopefully you got the uh, Dan Patrick Show uh, Mother's Day card that we sent out. It's a picture of myself and my mom, and Mario did a wonderful job with that. So I want to thank him for doing that. It was nice to uh, remember my mom. All right, best and worst of the weekend, as we always do every Monday. What you liked, what you didn't like, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. We have a poll question, a couple of stats of the day. We got a play of the day as well. But we begin with The Last Dance. It's been interesting. But there was something unique about the seventh episode, which aired on ESPN last night. And maybe this was the truest view of Michael Jordan that we've ever seen as a competitor. You watched him give his teammates grief. Opponents, they got grief as well. You got Michael, current day Michael, getting emotional looking back. And he said, and the quote was, winning has a price and leadership has a price. Now, we can get into breaking it down of, is that really leadership? You know, you got the results. We always look at the bottom line, winning. He won. We don't really care how you got there. He won. Michael won. But there's personal relationships. And you could see this was the not nice Michael Jordan. He would do anything to win. And the results were six titles. All great athletes are competitive. And he took it as far as anyone I've ever known. He expected a lot out of his teammates. But Jordan also said that he never asked them to do something that he wouldn't do himself. And that's why it's hard to critique his style. Jordan was tough to play with. He was tough to play against. But the rewards were often as good as it gets. And you're just getting a full picture. This is Michael Jordan in full. You're getting to see... And it's not a true documentary. We've discussed that. He gets the final say. It's his team that put this together along with ESPN. And ESPN has done a wonderful job. But Mike is going to let you see what he wants you to see. And he he, he gave that window into the relationship with his father and how he was to his teammates. Now, a lot of this stuff is not new to me because I, I, I saw it or was told this by members of the Bulls. But you were sworn to secrecy. I can't tell you how nervous the former players were about Mike hearing about this. And retribution comes in all different forms with Michael Jordan. They would say, you can't tell anybody, but. I remember the first time I heard about the Steve Kerr punch. And one of his former teammates was saying, yeah, we, we didn't know how to cover it up. So this didn't get out that Michael punched Steve Kerr. And somebody said, you know, we were talking about, we joked about makeup, putting makeup on his uh, black eye. Like there was stuff that came out, but back then, you know, Michael, he had a tight ship. And if it got out, he would pretty much know where it came from. The Chicago media was there, you know, omnipresent. Everybody was looking for something, but they were in his corner in how they covered Michael Jordan. There were things that Michael was accused of, involved in, off the court. We know about a lot of this stuff, but back then, nobody knew about it. Very few people knew about it. And if you were trusted, 
you know, they you would get information and it's almost as if somebody wanted to see if they could trust you about this because they they could talk amongst each other. But after a while, they wanted others to know what exactly this is like. I remember when one of the former players talked about getting the look and I said, what's the look? He goes, you don't want the look. I said, what do you mean? That means Jordan is really mad at you and he's your teammate and he doesn't want to throw you the ball because he doesn't trust you. I said, oh, and then after that, I would start looking for the look on the court. If somebody missed one or two jumpers, Mike was not going to throw you the ball. He would be mad at you on the floor. You got the look, but it's fascinating. And there were other things with Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen didn't have a good weekend. He did not. Now, the first couple of weeks, we felt sorry for Scottie Pippen. Like, oh, man, he didn't get paid. And, you know, without Michael or without Scottie, Michael doesn't win six titles, doesn't come close. He's acknowledged Scottie being great. Scottie with a great story out of nowhere. Central Arkansas goes to the Bulls and becomes one of the 50 greatest players of all time. There is the moment on Scottie Pippen saying he wasn't going back into the game when Phil Jackson designed a play for Tony Kukoc. Now, you would think if you asked Scotty, if you had to do it all over again, he would say something along the lines of, yeah, I wouldn't have done it the way I did. Nope. Here's Scotty Pippen. I felt like it was an insult uh, coming from Phil. I was the most dangerous guy on our team. So why are you asking me to take the ball out? This is a season where he's taken the, the role of Michael. He's had this MVP caliber season. He thought it should be him taking the shot. And so Jim Clemens came over and said, Scotty's not going in. And Phil said, what do you mean he's not going in? And I go down and I said, are you in or out? And he said, I'm out. That's Dennis Rodman in there. And when you realize Scotty was sitting out, and at, at the time we thought, well, may, did he get hurt? Like, what happened here? And Phil designed a play for Tony Kukoc. Scotty said he would still sit out because, you know, he took it as a slight. All right. That's not a, that, that, that wasn't a good answer by Scotty. I mean, he could have said, you know, at the time I felt like, boy, I'm, I'm now your Michael. I want the ball. Mike got the ball in those situations. And I'm thinking Scotty's probably in his mind going, I earned this. Like, this is my moment where people look at me differently than, oh, yeah, you're Robin to Batman. I understand all of that. But you're going against Phil Jackson and what he thinks is going to work with Tony Kukoc, who was a very polished scorer. And it worked. But for Scotty to say that now, it doesn't sound like he's evolved at all with this. Matured with this. Yeah, Paul. The video from last night is so good. Once you know the backstory and then you, they play the scene of the bench where Scottie Pippen, when the huddle breaks, he goes to the end of the bench where all the scrubs are and sits mm-hmm. down. And one of the assistant coaches is talking to him and he's yelling and about, I'm upset about something. You can't read his lips. But there's a bench player. Remember Scott Williams? Was it? Out of North Carolina. North Carolina. He's right there and he just turns around and he does this monstrous eye roll like, oh boy. And then you just see Phil Jackson run down there. It, and to see it play out after you know the story is really interesting. There were a couple other things. Um, you know, Michael created these slights. Most of them were not real. Some were, you know, the bad boys, that was real. But you could tell that on the court. The other stuff, Michael was just looking. Imagine trying to get up every single night. Because Michael, people were there to see Michael. And I can't imagine the, the mental toll that takes on you, physically, obviously. But mentally, 
he wanted to be great every single night. How do I become great every night? You know, if it's a musician, if it's an athlete, whatever it is, every single night, you got to be great. And Michael created slights. Here's one that Ahmad Rashad talked about. The Seattle Supersonics coach, George Carl, didn't talk to Michael. This is courtesy of The Last Dance on ESPN. During the finals, we go out to dinner one night. George Carl's over on the other side, having dinner. Hey, there's George Carl over there. And George Carl does not come over and speak to him. He walked right past me. And I look at him, I say, really? Oh, so that's how you're going to play it. You know, he just kind of went by, and I went, uh-oh. Should have never done that. I said, it's a crock of and then we went to Carolina. We know Dean Smith. You got to see him in the summer. We play golf. You going to do this? Okay, fine. That's all I needed. That's all I needed for him to do that. And it, it became personal with me. <laughs> As if winning a title is not motivation enough, Mike needed even more motivation. Gary Payton, the glove, former defensive player of the year, he did not back down to Michael Jordan. And he talked about his style of roughing up, trying to be physical with Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan had a response to Gary Payton not backing down to MJ. A lot of people back down the bike. I didn't. I made it a point. I said, just tire him out. You just got to tire him out. And I kept hitting him and banging him and hitting him and banging him. It took a toll on Mike. It took a toll, and then <laughs> resting him a little bit, and then the, the, the series changed. And I wish I could have did it earlier. I don't know if the outcome would have been different, but it, it, it was a difference <laughs> and, and beating him down a little bit. The glove. I had no problem with the glove. I had no problem with Gary Payton. I had a lot of other things on my mind. <laughs> Now, that's Jordan laughing. He's looking at an iPad there of Gary Payton's comments. Now, there's one thing I take away from this that it, it feels like it's always there every episode. Mike doesn't give credit to too many people. He'll give credit to Scotty. He'll give credit to Phil. But Michael's still competing. He, does, he needed to give a little bit more of an acknowledgement to Gary Payton because if you look... At the three games that Gary Payton guarded Michael Jordan in those NBA Finals, two of Mike's worst playoff performances ever were against Gary Payton. Gary Payton deserved credit last night. Not laughing. Not laughing. I thought that was BS. Give him credit. You get the feeling that it was Scotty and Michael and nobody else gets any credit or deserves any credit here. We know Jerry Krause doesn't get any credit, but, you know, acknowledge Gary Payton deserved that. He's one of the great, you know, Hall of Famer. He's one of the great players, two-way players. And he did not back down to Michael Jordan. You know, the game is over, Mike. You won. <laughs> you, you won. You won them all, Mike. There's no fifth quarter here. There's no overtime. You won. It's okay to go, you know what? Hey, I was tough on my teammates. You know, that's how I led. Okay. Uh, tough on the opposition. Okay. But respect? Gary Payton didn't walk off the court like the bad boys and not shake your hand. And poor LeBradford Smith, who probably was watching going, wait, they just mentioned me. What did I do? The fact that he created this grudge against LeBradford Smith of the Washington Bullets because he said 
Nice game, Mike. <laughs> Instead of saying, oh my God, Mike, you're unbelievable. You're incredible. He, he said nice game. Oh, I, I just can't imagine how tiring it must have been to be around Michael. So competitive, always on you. If you beat him at something, he had to he had to go again. I, I I think there was a story with the dream team. Chuck Daly beat him in golf, and Michael demanding that they play eighteen hole. You know, he wanted another shot at Chuck Daly, the coach. That competition, and if you've been around somebody who is highly competitive, it gets to be tiring. But look, his leadership back then, we admired, we acknowledged. Nowadays. If you were trying to get away with a lot of this stuff, imagine if LeBron, I know it always comes back to LeBron, but I think LeBron is unfairly criticized. I think he's the most critique athlete in history. He hadn't done anything wrong. Remember, he said he was taking his talents to South Beach. Kobe invented that phrase. Kobe, at his press conference, when he was leaving high school, says, "I'm with sunglasses on his head said, I'm taking my talents to the NBA. LeBron says, can you believe that? Taking his talents to... Imagine if the story came out that LeBron said, Kevin Love doesn't get to eat after a bad game. (laughs) Okay, just imagine that. How many weeks would we spend on that? Or those who are sycophants of Jordan and don't like LeBron James. You know... Well, look at LeBron bullying Kevin Love. I mean, Mike did that to Horace Grant. Didn't let him eat. I mean, that's just one little story. If LeBron punched Kyrie Irving, I mean, let let it settle in here. I know Mike's the, the GOAT. Absolutely. But we let him get away with everything. We don't let LeBron get away with anything. Michael Jordan has become Babe Ruth. We allow Babe Ruth to get away with everything. Hey, you went out on your wife. You drank all the time. You ate. You're a pig. You blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Yeah, but the man, he called shot. Man, 700 home runs. Bryce Harper's hair's too long. Just spend a couple of days on I mean, come on. We can't pick and choose with this, and we've done that with Jordan. We, we pick and choose, or LeBron. Mike, everything about this, awesome. Hey, whatever he does, he's awesome. Here's your numbers with Gary Payton. And this is why it did bother me with the belly laugh that Mike had. 1996 NBA Finals versus Seattle. Games 1, 2, and 3. Michael averaged 31 and shot 46% from the floor. Games 4, 5, and 6, when Gary Payton guarded him, Michael averaged under 24 and shot 36% from the floor. That's not a belly laugh. That's not. Just acknowledge somebody might have gotten the better of you occasionally, Mike. This program brought to you by LegalZoom. No matter what happens, you want to make sure your loved ones are taken care of. That's why LegalZoom has made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. And I acknowledge Jordan's greatness. People misread this. I'm just honest with this. I give you the facts. I'm not drunk with Jordan stories and stats and greatness. He is spectacular. But I have to look at this and be fair to the story. 
We acknowledge greatness when you win. I don't care how you got there. We acknowledge greatness. That's it. Bottom line, greatness. I just think that we, we pick and choose. And certainly with LeBron James. And LeBron James doesn't need for me to stick up for him. But I do want to present the facts that I was there covering Jordan. And I've been there covering LeBron. LeBron went to the finals that first time and I was there covering that. Like I've been there with these superstars. And you don't have to compare them if you don't want to. And maybe we shouldn't compare until LeBron's all done. And if you still want Michael to be better than LeBron, good for you. When you fall in love, that first love, and you you stay with that. And that's what happened with Michael Jordan. For an entire generation, nobody could compete with Michael Jordan. We wouldn't allow it. Kobe, closest we've ever seen, we didn't even allow him in the conversation. And we should have. Because Kobe was my... If, if Kobe came before Michael, we would be talking about Kobe. Mike was the first man on the moon, as I've told you. He's Neil Armstrong. There's never going to be somebody who got there before you. We've had Dr. J. We've had Wilt. We've had Bill Russell. We've had Magic. We've had, we've had all of these great players. Michael did it all. He was a brand. Became a billionaire. He won. Even the baseball part. That's why I applaud Tim Tebow. When you have status. Now, it's, it's much lesser for Tim Tebow. Michael is the greatest athlete. He, you know, the sport is ever seen. Greatest player ever seen. Whatever you want to, you know, your verbal bouquets, pile them on. The fact that he would risk that reputation to go to play the hardest sport there is to play, and that is baseball. I applaud it. Now, Michael didn't have a good swing. It was a long swing, but he had athleticism. He hadn't played baseball in, in 12 years. And they put him in double A. And then he realized, as I realized when I was playing baseball, that damn curveball is just not fair. And Mike was great until they threw nothing but curveballs. But he did play. And, and he played at a pretty good level. And that's what I, I applaud that. If you truly wanted to do that, and you wanted to you know, do it for your father, then God bless you. And if it had nothing to do with gambling... Good. I hope it doesn't. I hope it didn't. But I applaud him for doing that. And he wanted to be great at baseball. And he was serviceable. And that's saying an awful lot. It really is. All right. We'll get to your phone calls. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. You can watch on youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. And you can listen on the 362 radio affiliates around the country. 20 after the hour, we'll come back on the Dan Patrick Show. By the way, Reggie Miller will join us and Phil Mickelson stopping by. Just getting started here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. Right, we'll come up with a poll question. I got all fired up watching the Jordan documentary. McLevin, you got a poll question today? Yeah, it's going to make you mad again. <laughs> what, does it have to do with the greatest college basketball player of all time? No, no, no. Okay. Well, yes, in a way. Okay. What is the greatest NBA team of all time? You say, yeah, I was showing the 96 Bulls last night. Is that the greatest team? 
And Yahoo had a list of the other great teams, the 2017 Warriors, the 86 Celtics, the 72 Lakers, the team that went on that long win streak. Uh, this is always tricky, you know, because there's no right answer here. Um, do I go with playoff record? Do I go regular season record? You have to win the championship if you even if you, you had a great regular season. Like the Warriors had a great regular season when they won, what, 73 games. They didn't win the title that year. Uh, the 86 Celtics, that was a deep team. Bill Walton was sixth man of the year. That was Bird, prime Bird, Bird in 86. Um, they were a great defensive team, too which people would never think with the Celtics. They were, they were the best offensive-rated team. They were third in defense that year. The 96 Bulls were spectacular. Uh, the 72 Lakers, who I got to see, you know, that was, that was a, a really balanced team, and Wilt became a rebounder and a defensive player. He had a good backcourt there. Um, yeah, you, you just can't. I mean, the, the, the Showtime Lakers were... I... I know we get into, oh, you know, the, um, the Warriors now with Durant, they would beat the Bulls in the, night of the, the mid-90s. Like I, to me, it's fruitless to try, to, to try that argument. It's just I'd rather enjoy what I saw because it's different now. It's just the game is played differently. If I put the Warriors of 2017 back in the 90s, you know, Durant and Steph Curry would be beat up. They would, and JaVale McGee is your big man. They would be going, are you kidding me? That's your rim protector? You know, Shaq and Kobe. Whew. I mean, as far as teammates go, that's pretty spectacular as well. So I, I'd rather not do that because I don't think there's an answer, a right answer in there. What else do you have? Okay, uh, does the last dance make Michael Jordan more likable or less <laughs> likable? And I was actually thinking of Seton's wife because she came with, the Seton said last week that she's like, well, uh, this is a likable guy. Last night was an interesting test of that theory too. Well, I don't think Mike wanted to be likable. I, I don't think that was his goal. I, I think he should accomplish. I, I think he wanted to be respected. Uh, admired, feared, but liked. I know that the, the the commercial was you want to be like Mike, not you want to like Mike. Yeah, Seaton. There's this moment though. Um, I, you know, I think maybe now looking back, Michael is a little different. It seems like than in the moment in terms of wanting to be liked because there was this one moment where he's talking in the interview and he says like, you know. Th- you know, looking back, if you want to say that I was mean or I was bad or whatever, but that's about you and not about me. And then he starts getting emotional and he's like tearing up and he's like, all right, got break. You know, and then that's how it ends. He's like, oh, that's a break. You know, he wants to take a break from the interview. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe his perspective has changed a little bit. Maybe a little. But that's when I screamed at the TV when he said, no, let's take a break. I'm like, no, you want to make this a documentary? Give me the real moment here. I want my crying. I like I want to see behind the, the the facade that's there. Pull the curtain back because it it humanizes Jordan and that's what you want in this. I mean, we've seen the tough guy creating rivalries that weren't there. I want to see that there's we saw him so emotional about his father after he won the title. 
And that's such a raw piece of footage there. And we couldn't understand it. We still can't quite comprehend that. But I don't, I don't think Mike cares about being liked. He wants to be feared, and he wants to be respected, and he wants to be admired. Yeah, Paul. As a Chicago sports fan, Michael Jordan was never liked by the fans. He was admired for his ability to what he delivered to us. Wins and wins every night. You can count on it. But he was never a beloved Chicago athlete, you know, like others. You know, Big Poppy is not the best Red Sox player of all time, but he's one of the most beloved Red Sox players. Like Bill Belichick's not beloved by sports fans in Boston, but he's admired because of what he does for you. Well, it's like A-Rod's not beloved. No. Jeter's beloved. A-Rod was a better player, but Jeter is beloved. There's certain players that you you separate them. And, and Jordan's not in Chicago? No, it, it's different. See, it's like he was, this, he was a worldwide figure. He wasn't Chicago's own Michael Jordan, maybe in the first few years. He became this worldwide athlete. He was never Chicago's player, but he delivered Chicago relevancy, which they didn't have. Basketball-wise, definitely never had relevancy basketball-wise. And the 85 Bears had that one year, but otherwise Chicago sports back in the – 70s, 80s, and 90s was nothing but Mike. And so he wasn't beloved as much as he was admired as an icon. But why was Walter Payton beloved? Because he toiled through it for the Bears team and was hardworking, showed up every day, and he suffered. And and he was a local athlete. He was not a worldwide athlete, in my opinion, as as a Chicago Bears Bulls fan. But Michael's more like an icon, an untouchable icon. You wouldn't see Michael Jordan at a bar. You wouldn't see him at a restaurant in Chicago. Never. You'll never run into him on the street. Like, he was not that of that ilk. I remember when he opened up his, uh, his restaurant in Chicago, and we went in, we were covering the NBA Finals, and we thought, you know, let's go over. Maybe Michael will be there. And uh, so then I, I talked to the manager, and uh, he recognized me, and uh, he said, does Mike know you're here? And I go, no. And he goes, oh, then never mind. <laughs> because <laughs> Michael was there and he had a private private dining room in there and I thought I, no he did. I should have said uh, I, th- I think he thinks we're kind of, you know I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm late or maybe I'm like I didn't even think on my feet about you know do I somehow sneak into a dinner there with uh, Michael Jordan uh, Doug in North Carolina Doug what's on your mind today well Dan specifically I'm in Wilmington North Carolina which is uh, obviously the hometown of Michael Jordan and there's a lot of pride that he's from here but there's also a great sense of personal rejection it's the, the sense is that he's left town and never looked back and like many cities hmm. we have a local sports hall of fame Roman Gabriel Sonny Jurgensen Trot Nixon have all been inducted they refuse to induct Michael Jordan it's just like what Polly was saying he he you never see him around town. He's kind of forgotten where he came from. Willie Stardrill, the the Pirates great, mm-hmm. grew up in Florida, played you know elsewhere, died in Wilmington. He was inducted posthumously, but they will not induct Michael Jordan into this Hall of Fame. That's just a sense that he's not even loved in his hometown. All right, Doug. Well, thank you. I did not know that. Uh, mean-spirited John in New Zealand joins us. Hey, John, what do you have for me today? <laughs> I'm sorry, you you caught me out there, Dan, uh, with the mean spirited. Um, I nearly called in last week to apologize to to not to Paulie but to Fritzy because he looked so disappointed in me when I watched it back on YouTube. The expression on his face, I felt so bad. Um, oh, when you Dan, made fun of Paulie's dead not, dad? I mean, well, yeah, yeah. When. When I did that, I you mean, didn't feel bad for Paulie. You felt bad for Fritzy because no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. 
All right, what's on your mind? would be proud of me. What's on your mind, John? Uh, three quick, three quick sentences, and then a question for All you. Right. Okay. Dan, um, I was watching the final dance, and uh, it reminded me of a famous Australian cricketer named Keith Miller. He was a two-way player, so he would pitch and he would bat, and he was and he was a fighter pilot in World War Two. And he was asked after he retired, how did he manage? pressure at the highest level of international sport and he said that's not pressure pressure is a message schmidt up your ass and he had the view that there is war and then there is sports and i was watching uh, the final dance and i was wanting to ask you who've been in this business for 30 40 years when did it become okay to treat people badly so long as you were winning thanks for the phone call john This information never got out. It was rare that anybody said anything about Michael, his teammates. You know, when it came out that he and Steve Kerr had an altercation and that Steve Kerr is the one who hit Michael first and then Michael hit him. But it it felt like it was cordoned off to the rest of America. It just it's a different time now. If, If this happened now. By the time practice ended, maybe even not by the time practice ended, there would be somebody tweeting or a photo of this altercation or Steve Kerr's black eye. I mean, if everything is public consumption now, and it's right away. We need it immediate. Back then, you just sort of admired. And, and I go back to Mickey Mantle. You just admired Mickey Mantle as a baseball player. He was flawed as a person, as we all are. You know, he, he, he was a drinker, partier, womanizer. But we just looked at athletes back then and, and just accepted them for that. I don't know when the consumption of an athlete off the court, off the field took shape. You know, there, there's certain like Muhammad Ali. It became about him out of the ring too. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, when he changed his name, you know, became then then they're people. We just viewed you as athletes. I didn't know anything about Wilt Chamberlain or Oscar Robertson or Pete Maravich off the court. I, I had no idea. But then, and I don't know, I, I probably would have to think about this, of when we started to look at these athletes and say, I want to know more. Because this is on you, the audience. You consume it. You want to know. You want stories. People don't want to hear about somebody on the floor, on the court, on the baseball field. It's like, hey, what's he like off the, what's he really like? Hey, is he really that guy? Those are the questions I get. The public consumption. That's why you have all these magazines, these tabloid magazines. You want to know about George Clooney and his twins. You want to know about Brad Pitt. Is he? I mean, it's your consumption of this that feeds the machine. Because if you didn't care about it, then these rags wouldn't exist. Yeah, Paul. I think on a national level, when we started knowing more about athletes was when ESPN took over in the 80s and guys like Roy Firestone did those in-depth interview shows. There was sports coverage on a local level was very small back in the day. But once Roy Firestone started sitting down with an athlete... We're going to blame Roy. <laughs> maybe, or maybe, maybe credit him because, you know, for, for 30 minutes he sat down with athletes and I know it's polished and it's produced, but it felt like you actually heard the athlete talk with more than a soundbite. No, and it's and Roy did such a great job on, on up close. And and if you're not familiar with that interview show, and and Roy was somebody that I admired and tried to follow in his footsteps of asking questions to get people to talk. And Roy would have athletes on, 
and he would have them talk about personal things. It wasn't just what you did third down, you know, in the fourth quarter. It it was, you know, who you were, your father, uh, childhood. You know, it was more of a seeing an athlete in full, and and Roy opened the the window to that. But yeah, I don't I don't remember. I don't know what some of these guys were like at all off the court. Now, you would start to hear more. The, the deeper I got into this business and the more people I knew, the more stories you would hear. Because there was this inner circle, this inner sanctum that said, uh, hey, did you hear about? And, and if, I, if I had a dollar for every time I was told, hey, did you hear about? I'd have a lot of dollars because there, there's a lot of stories. But people are, they are people. You know, there's very few that I go, that guy is exactly who I thought he was. Dale Murphy of the Braves is exactly who you think he was and is. He is pure, clean. He is a gentleman. He's everything. If my daughter brought home a Dale Murphy personality, I'd go, sign me up. I, 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 Dale Murphy was one of those people that you met and you went, he, that's who he is. There are guys who hide behind religion that I knew. And they would always say, and they would throw out a Bible quote, or they would, and then you'd realize that is that the same? Is that the same guy I saw last night? <laughs> like it's it's just you know we're we're people, you know we make mistakes, you know whether you talk about them or not. Uh, do you want to know about them? My brothers in law, big New York Giants fans, and I was covering the Giants back in the Lawrence Taylor days. All they want to know about is Lawrence Taylor off the field, and. And they, and I say, I always say, you know, if I'm being fair to, you know, stories that are out there, I don't, you know, there's stuff that I just say, there's no reason why I'm sharing this and I shouldn't, but I'll say, you know, do you really want to know? And they go, I don't know. Do we? And I go, Lawrence, he's not a good guy. I mean, admire him as a football player. He's not a good guy. And, you know, but people want, they want to know that. Like I know more than you do. Anybody can see that that guy's great, but do you know that the da 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 da? That's the consumption we have now. Well, that's why Taco Tuesday for LeBron. We know about that. We know about you know what these guys are doing off the court, off the field, because there is an audience for that. We'll take a break. Uh, Phil Mickelson next hour, and Reggie Miller will join us as well. Back after this with our play of the day. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. It was a little bit surreal with uh, UFC because you were actually hearing everything. And you could hear the uh, commentary. You could hear the corners. It was, I mean, it was, you had to get used to it. And even then, when I sort of got used to it, it was still awkward to hear it. But I, but I liked it. it be, you heard everything. You heard the punches. You, you heard the grunts. Uh, Daniel Cormier, his commentary. Uh, fighters were actually listening to his commentary during their bouts. And it helped them win. But the, the new abnormal, no fans in the stands, but you're going to have NASCAR back. Golf's going to be back. Baseball will probably reveal its new plans. 
I, I'm still hearing around the 4th of July. I don't know what to expect around then, but that's what I keep hearing. It comes back to the 4th of July. That is sort of the circled date. Um, maybe in pencil, not in pen. But, you know, we'll update you on uh, what we find out and when we find those things out. We just showed a, a video or picture of uh, Todd cooking for Mother's Day. And we guilted him on Friday because this is all his wife ever wanted for Mother's Day would be Todd making a meal for her. And I'm looking at the pictures here. I don't know who documented this. It looked like it's Photoshop. It looked like it's staged. And Todd claims that he made a meal for his wife. And now there were a couple of things that stood out. You start to set the table at 3.40 in the afternoon, and then you brought in the chicken off the grill at around 7.40. That's a big timeline there, partner. Yeah, there were some continuity issues there. But I stand by the fact that uh, I cooked the meal. There was something in there that was like a chicken palm roll thing. I'm not going to take credit for that. That was a, a purchase. Do item, you little... swear if I have a lie detector test? Yes. That you did the entire meal? Would you pass? I did the, I did the rice, the teriyaki glazed chicken, set the table, the dishes and everything. It was just the uh, couple of chicken palm rolls. The only thing I had nothing to do with. Okay. But I should have dressed a little bit more for the occasion. And Yeah, uh, you got on... What sweatpants, uh, uh, Bill Romanowski jersey, and you're in your bare feet. Yes, I mean that that, that doesn't really like. Could have made a better effort. Yeah, you could be dressed up. <laughs> you could be dressed up. Maybe have a nice shirt. There's something I didn't. I didn't have to have a tuxedo on, but I could have met somewhere in the middle with like a I don't know polo shirt and a I, I, crisp, I, crisp jeans. Yeah, you, I'm not saying a tuxedo, but it would have been nice to have <laughs> like, like socks on or a pair of pants. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, just, I don't know, just dress it up a little bit. That was, uh, that was a poor effort as far as the attire. Yeah, yeah. But you did it. I did do it. Will you, I, didn't burn, I didn't burn, no third degree burns. We didn't have to call. When will you make another meal? That could be a while. No, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I would, if I had a guess, I don't know, maybe in a month or so. 364 days? Soon. Mother's Day, that's a good thing to shoot for, Mother's Day 2021. And what was the response from your meal? The kids were very surprised and they gave me some ribbing that like, you know, how did that happen? And uh, much like you guys, they didn't believe it was actually a cook. So did they, they wonder who the in. big man was in the kitchen by the stove? They were a little startled by that, but they saw the Bronco jersey and, <laughs> oh, the, uh, yeah. and the old sweatpants and the, and the, and the baldness. And so they couldn't make out you know, the figure of, uh, of their dad being in there. But it was a little startling. There's that, a creepy man in our kitchen, mom. Bare feet. And what is uh, what is that? <laughs> you did look. There was a vagrant feel to you. <laughs> like a, if, if a sports fan was a vagrant, you were yeah. a sports fan vagrant. And truth be told, you know, I showered in the afternoon. I went for a nice walk. I had deodorant on and everything. But you would never guess that. If you had to guess the smell based on what I was wearing, you would probably be put off by that. Thank you, Todd. McLovin, uh, what poll question were you going to go with here? I started with did oh. the documentary you make Michael Jordan more or less likable. Sixty five percent said more likable. Oh, OK. I mean, I am curious about a, a younger generation who's witnessing this for the first time that you've heard the stories. Now you're you're seeing everything and you're hearing the stories. And I don't know if you go, wow, I, I really like that or I see why people call him the goat. But. Because I've been around it my entire, from when Michael was at North Carolina to where he is now. I mean, I've been fortunate. I see you when you start your career and where you, you end your career. Um, and with Michael, you know, when he, even when he went to the Wizards, I, I still was fascinated with what he did.
and even how he was doing it at that age. Because you had a lot of guys who were coming after him. Everybody wanted a piece of Mike because they wanted, they wanted some retribution there. It was also pointed out to me that when you see how small Jordan can be sometimes, look at his Hall of Fame speech. Like, you're the greatest of all time. He's roasting people up there. Like, he would never, ever, ever let you have <laughs> final say. I mean, all of the, these are Hall of Famers, he's calling them out. Now, if somebody did that to Mike, I don't think he would take it anywhere near the way other uh, guys did that night. It was awkward. That's an uncomfortable moment. Yes, Eaton. But you see, you can't do it to Mike, though. No, you can't. Well, you can right. say things. You can say things, but it's just going to go right off because he knows he's better than you. Yeah, there's some things that could probably hurt him a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, Paul. If he were 5-1, and one, there'd be one guy who could say something <laughs> to him. I don't know who that guy would be. It might have been Barkley. <laughs> no. Yeah. But nobody got that one. Phil Mickelson will join us coming up and Reggie Miller.